Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, healer and spiritual warrior, Teresa Bruni. Hey, what you drink? Yeah, and, and, and then another thing that, again, intrigued me about our last conversation uh, is that you are a certified energy leadership practitioner. Not only a practitioner, but a master practitioner. I mean, this whole energy leadership space, you're, you're only the second person I have met that has spent time to focus and get some expertise in energy leadership. Talk to me a little bit about what that is and why does that make sense for everyone to at least be aware of as they try to pursue this life that they are that they've given they've been given trustee management of? This is a fascinating story. Energy leadership was developed by Bruce Schneider. And Bruce was an executive coach. And um, he was working with companies that were really struggling. And these executives, these were high-level executives that had Harvard degrees from Harvard and Wharton Business School and Oxford, yet their companies were failing. So Bruce set out to find out why, and he developed the Energy Leadership Index Assessment. It measures seven levels of energy that we use in our life every single day. Level one is victim mentality. Level seven is Christ consciousness, God consciousness, universal consciousness, whatever you choose to call it. Now we can't live there, we know that. Not even the monks can live there. They're eventually going to stub their toe, (laughs) but we can try to at least get there, you know, once a day. Um, With the assessment, it tells us It gives us an accurate reading to how we react and respond to the world. So it's based on the theory that everything starts with a thought, and those thoughts are going to be based on that programming. The thought then creates a feeling, and the feeling dictates how we react or respond to the world around us. Now, it worked very well for Bruce in his executive coaching, and that was back 
1990. Today, we use it for everyone. So in my practice, it tells me where my clients, where their stress is coming from. So if I'm working with someone who has a long-term chronic health condition, I insist that they start by taking the Energy Leadership Index Assessment because it tells us so much about how they view the world and how they react and respond to the world around them and where their stress is coming from. And we all know stress causes illness. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and then you were also, you were the third person to mention this book. And after I hear things more than once, uh, I, I feel that that might be God trying to send me a message. So I went out and picked up The Body Keeps Score. Yes. Talk a little bit about that, because not only did I find our conversation about that book fascinating, I'm actually finding the book itself fascinating. Uh, and, it, and it's actually starting to tell me about me, and which is making me, making me a little nervous. But The Body Keeps Score really kind of brings to life what you're just saying about how we embed these things throughout time into our DNA. Share why that's such an important book. So that's really the basis of my practice. When, uh, when someone comes to me with a chronic health condition, we look at the symptoms. And uh, my belief is the body is the messenger. So interestingly, I brought on a new client that had been in a severe accident, broke his neck, and ended up quadriplegic. Um, if you go to my website, you can see his testimonial under the success stories. And when I brought on that client, I said, I have to learn about trauma. And so I'm searching for books on trauma. And I and that book got my attention because that's the basis of my business. The body is the messenger, right? And um, fascinating. The book just blew me away. And it's written by Bessel van der Kolk. They call him the godfather of trauma. He started studying trauma in the 70s during the Vietnam War. But he says in the book, I don't know how else to call it. I'm going to call it regular everyday trauma, but that's, that's you know, <laughs> uh, not really the right phrase. There is more trauma every day outside of military combat than any of us realize. He says in that book that trauma is at epidemic proportions in our country. And if you're reading it, then you know he starts the first chapter by listing five or six different types of trauma, uh, including seeing one of your parents beaten, being beaten by one of your parents, uh, sexual abuse, the whole, you know, the, he lists all these things. And if that trauma is not dealt with, it gets stored in the body. So as you see, that's what happened to me. I had a very traumatic childhood mm -hmm. and that ended up leading into an abusive marriage. That was more trauma. And then finally, my body just, it had stored so much trauma that it broke down and it caused me to become chronically ill, which it does for most people. Um, so, so that's what we do. You know, we look at where the traumas have come into the to the life. And what I love about the work that I do, I don't have to put you under hypnosis and have you remember every nasty detail of the trauma. All we need to know is the result of the trauma. 
I can't have a healthy relationship. My health is failing me. My finances are failing me. I feel like a fraud at work or whatever the case may be. And we go from there. Hmm. Yeah, that, that um, again, just really, really compelling book, uh, compelling practice that you have uh, because at the end of the day, we are all energy, right? We're matter and energy combined into one place. And if there is something that's compromising the energy that's inside of us, it is near impossible for us to be effective with promoting energy, positive energy outside of us, because you can't put out anything other than what you've got on the inside. How many, how many clients do you see that come and say, hey, look, I'm not getting the output that I'm looking for, and they haven't really thought to look about look at what's going on inside of them. And that that really becomes the center of your work. How, how often does that occur? That's pretty often. I mean, that's why they come to me. They, they come to me and they say, I've got this challenge. And one of the biggest ones that I see is anxiety. Mm. Anxiety is off the charts, especially with the younger generation. So that's what people will do. They'll come to me, they say, look, I have this challenge. I feel like an imposter at work, or I have this chronic health condition, or I have this overwhelming anxiety. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to untangle it. No one teaches us these things. Mm. And I just would like to say for your listeners, there are numerous ways to handle that. We've got, we do have hypnosis. We've got biofeedback. We've got EMDR. And we have a process that I use that's called Psyche. And I happen to love Psyche. It's, it's quick and, and it's effective. But, you know, I'm not the only, you know, I'm not the end all be all. There's a lot of different things that you can do. There's also EFT tapping for anyone who, that's the emotional freedom technique, EFT. Um, that's something you can teach yourself and you can mm -hmm. start working on your limiting beliefs. Wow. So uh, what I'm hearing is that there are a lot of ways to get to your limiting beliefs and several of them are effective. This is really, really important that you tackle <laughs> your limiting beliefs. And you know, I, I have said that people will think once you know this stuff, then you're free and, and that none of this, none of us struggle from all of it. Well, I do this thing for a living. And some say I'm pretty good at it. My mom thinks I'm amazing at it, actually. Uh, but I have two coaches. I have a therapist. And, you know, it's like there's no way that you can get from where you are to where you ultimately need to be unless you've got someone helping you think through how do I navigate around these obstacles that are embedded into my DNA? Uh, again, whether it's a sports coach to help you with your backswing, whether it's a, a nutritional coach to help you with some dietary issues that you might have, this is just another opportunity for you to take a look at yourself and become, as I like to say, a, a master. Right? We should each aspire to have a PhD in ourselves. Exactly. Now, this 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 process that you've been through, I, you know, I know that you got into it because of a personal journey that you were on. But what I found is as I prepare more to help my clients, um, like reading books, like what to say when you talk to yourself, I end up helping myself 
has it ever happened to you where I'm I'm preparing to help Jim, right? My focus is on Jim, but I'll be doggone if this author isn't speaking to me. That trainer is talking, he's looking me in the eye way too many times uh, when he's delivering this, this new concept. Uh, how often does that happen to you? It happens a lot. Clients, we, we start to work on an issue and I don't say anything to them, but I say to myself, OMG, I think <laughs> there might be a message here for me. <laughs> and the, the learning and growing process never stops. We're going to continue to learn and grow because as I explained to my clients, life continues to happen. Mm. So, you know, you could leave session today and feel like you're on top of the world, but life continues to happen and loved ones pass away, uh, jobs change. It's all about perspective. May I talk to you about uh, miracles that come in disguise and how we view life? Hmm, please. So, so uh, when I was doing my corporate thing and uh, I was working in Manhattan, I had an hour and a half commute and 13 hour workday. I hated my job. Oh my gosh, I hated my job. I took the job because I wanted that on my resume, okay? And I said, I'll do this. I'll do this for two years just to get this on my resume. Well, I got fired two weeks before Christmas. Mm. I had just bought a new home. I had a mortgage that was less than three months old <laughs> and I lost my job. Plus my pride, oh my goodness. I cried for two whole days. I don't get fired. I have pride. <laughs> so I pulled myself together and I started looking for a job. And in February, I started a new job that was 15 minutes from my home. They matched my salary, which really was more money because I no longer had my commuting expenses. Mm -hmm. Okay. I had every benefit you could imagine including disability insurance, which I was going to need because I was about ready to be very, become very sick and be out on disability for nine years. So it's only in hindsight that we can see what a blessing it was that I got fired that day. Hmm. You see how that was a setup? Wow. Now, now I, all I can see is a, is a picture of Steve Jobs saying that everything connects when you look backwards. Because... There is no way you would have been jumping for joy on the front end of of getting fired. No. And you dated yourself with Columbo. I'm going to date myself by telling you uh, there was no internet, okay? So I could not look for a job while I was commuting into Manhattan. I could not look for a new job. It was like mission impossible. I was stuck in this job that I was working 13 hours, you know, between the, the commute Door to door, it was a 13-hour day. And having to look for jobs in the newspaper, that's how we did it back then. <laughs> I'm really dating myself. Wow. Uh, so getting fired was, yeah, it was a blessing. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. Now, we, we talked a little bit about uh, leadership and how, you know, it's, it's easy to think of yourself as a leader when you've got layers upon layers and people upon people looking at you um, because you're the highest name on the org chart that they can see. And they're looking for you and waiting for you to make decisions so that they can move forward. 
by no means an easy an easy task, but it's obvious that you're needing to provide some leadership in those situations. It's not so easy to think of yourself as a leader when it's just you and you're trying to get from point A to point B in the best possible way and hopefully do it tomorrow a little bit better than you did it yesterday. But that still requires leadership. Uh, do you have a, a, a leadership philosophy that no matter what you do, you just can't seem to shake because it infects everything that you do? That's an, another excellent question. I think the answer to that is just reminding myself that I am the leader and no one else is going to do it for me. Mm. I love it. I mean, that 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 is very similar to, again, just this philosophy that I seem to have. And I didn't plan for it to be a philosophy, but every bit of living that I do, uh, I can't find anything to disprove in my mind that everyone is designed to be the greatest in the world at something. And their life's mission is to find their thing so that they can get on with celebrating being the greatest in the world. And I'm just convinced that it has to be true because if I'm here just to be another version of Teresa Bruni, then that seems like a waste of DNA. That seems like a waste of experience. There has to be some reason, there has to be something that I was created to be the greatest in the world at doing. Now, just because I was created for that purpose doesn't mean that I'm prepared for that purpose. So that's where the development, that's where the living, that's where all the trials and tribulations, that's where they all come in. But there is a purpose, there's this end point that we're all supposed to get to in our lives and how we get there again that's the jazz metaphor it's it's you know it's it's going to take getting fired from a job it's going to take a, a breakup from someone that you believe was supposed to be your forever and ever right all of that kind of fits into the goulash um but all of that fits into this thing that we were each designed to be the greatest in the world at doing and uh I'm going to turn this back over to you, but you know, one of the things that my my pastor said many, many, many years ago that he doesn't remember saying because this had nothing to do with his sermon. But this is the part I picked up on. He said that we were all designed for greatness, but somewhere we seem to settle for something similar to greatness. And so, in 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 what ways do you find that people tend to settle for something similar to what they were put here to do? It goes right back to those limiting beliefs and that programming. How many times were you told, you can't do that, you're a woman, mm -hmm. you can't do that, you're not the right color, you can't do that, you're not tall enough, you're not smart enough. It all goes back to that. And so we spend our days living life going, I can't do that, I can't do that. If there's any area of your life that is not fulfilled, then you're not being the best leader that you can be. Mm. So that includes your diet, your nutrition, your exercise, your mental health, your career, your relationships, all those areas. Coaches call it the will of life. Mm. So, you know, you take the will of life and, and it is a literal wheel and you scale yourself from one to 10. 
and then you draw a line and connect those those numbers and if your wheel is bumpy then you're having a really bumpy ride through life that means you're you're dropping you're lacking your ability to lead yourself in those particular areas of life hmm. you can do it you can do, i'm here to encourage everybody you know get rid of those limiting beliefs you can do it your 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 pastor was so right yeah it, you know it, in what ways are you doing something similar to what you're supposed to do as opposed to actually doing the real thing because of any of those limiting beliefs that you just heard uh teresa share usually we don't say them out loud right usually it's the small voice inside of uh inside of your head and shazad shermine who's the author of positive intelligence another amazing books you, you've got me thinking about books here a lot boy you're just so steeped in all this information but shazad shermine he says that uh we all we each have a sage brain which is where all the wisdom comes from, all the great advice comes from, where we can think of the perfect quote at the perfect time that will fit the exact situation that's, our, that's coming from our sage brain. And then we all have this judge brain. And the judge brain is there to keep us safe. And when we think about, and you know, some authors call it your primitive brain. And the primitive brain was actually created first and it was designed to keep us out of physical danger, right? So if you hear rustling, if you hear rustling in the bushes, you know you need to run, right? Don't really, don't sit here and try to determine whether or not this is something friendly or someone just lost their tennis shoe. Run, <laughs> figure that out later. And and that's the that's what the primitive brain does. It gives you all these scenarios to 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 inspire you to protect yourself. Well, the problem is now we have more information. And, and, and now we know that just because something is rustling in the bushes, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, it's a dinosaur coming to eat you, but we still behave the same way. And we behave the same way, whether it's physical danger, whether it's emotional danger, whether it's financial danger, you, you put whatever descriptor you wanna put before danger, the same part of your brain kicks in. Uh, and if you don't have someone helping you think through what's going on the st that's standing in the way of where you are and, and, and keeping you from getting to where you want to be, you're doomed to repeat those exact same issues over and over and over again. Exactly. And so what happens is we have our conscious mind and then we have our subconscious mind. So today, uh, years ago, when I was a kid, they, they would tell us, yeah, you only use 10% of your brain, the rest isn't doing anything. And how, how many times were we told that? <laughs> it's complete ludicrous. Um, the subconscious mind is the other 90%. Now the subconscious mind has two jobs. Its first job is to keep you alive. So as you and I are sitting here having this conversation, I don't have to think about my eyes blinking or I don't have to say, Galen, could you hang on for a minute? I need to take a breath or I need to make my heart beat or, you know, that food I ate isn't digesting too well. My subconscious mind is taking care of all of that. How many of us have driven to the store and we get there and we don't remember going through the traffic lights? It's because your subconscious mind is on autopilot. It's got you covered. 
So its first job is to, to keep you alive. Its second job is to keep you safe. And that's where the, that's where the problems come in. Because if you've had a traumatic event in your life, then your subconscious mind is, is going to tell you, oh, no, you can't do that. That's not safe. So a simple example that I use with my clients is, let's say in high school, you had to get up on the podium and uh, up on the stage and you're at the podium and you have to give a speech in front of the entire auditorium. You're not really feeling too well that day, but you're going to press on. Your mom said, hey, look, go to school. You're not running a fever. Go. So you do. You're up there and you vomit. The entire auditorium breaks out in laughter. Your subconscious mind says, boy, that was painful. And suddenly you develop a fear of public speaking. Your subconscious mind says, I'm never going to let you do that again. Okay. So this is how these limiting beliefs get planted. You have an experience. Uh, it could be literally anything. Maybe you got in trouble as a kid for something that you didn't even do, but you couldn't convince your parents that you didn't do it. Uh, you know, perfect example is um, maybe your parents fought over money when you were a young child. So we know that age zero to seven, those are the critical years. That's when you're like a little sponge. And so your parents are fighting over money. And so you grow up thinking, well, money, having money's evil. You know, money causes arguments, money causes fights, and you end up having money issues, money struggles. And it's all because you've got this limiting belief sandwiched in your subconscious mind. When those incidences are traumatic, let's say your parents are fighting over, over money and there's actually physical violence, then you've got some real issues sandwiched in your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. But they can be cleared up. It's not hopeless. It's never hopeless. As long as you're still breathing, there's hope and, and you can change. It's just a matter of identifying these things and getting them cleared out. And again, you know, what I like about my practice is I don't have to put you under hypnosis. We don't have to relive all the drama. We just need to know, what are you struggling, struggling with? Mm -hmm. You know, what would you like to change about your life? Wow. You know, we, we, um, we, we talked um, earlier today about the importance of story, the importance of role model. And I, I know that this plays a, a big part in the work that I do. Uh, what, what role does, uh, I call it your invisible board uh, members, invisible board of directors, but these are just people, could be people that you've met, could be people that you haven't met or that you've just read about, but they tend to take space in your mind to help you think through how should I approach these difficult situations. You, you've listed some pretty interesting people to be on your invisible board of directors. Can I talk through uh, who you selected and why? Yeah. So number one top on the list is Jesus Christ. And I, I mean, that's obvious, right? I mean, he is, the, he is the master of masters. Who else would you want at the top of your board of directors? Um, I'm just going to bring up my list here so that I can I can talk to you about them in order. Oh, the second one I listed was Albert Einstein for his problem-solving skills. Man, what a genius. Uh, 
have you ever done, have you ever read about when they dissected his brain? They left, you know, he left his brain for science. No, I haven't heard about that. Well, I'll talk about that if you, if we have time and if you sure. would like me to address that. Um, the next one was Martin Luther King, just for his pure love of purpose. Uh, oh, man, what a loss to humanity. I wonder what he would be advising us today with what we're going through today. And then the last one is Joan of Arc. And, and that was for her bravery. Did you know she was only 13 years old? I did not know that. When she led that, she led an army into battle at 13 years old. Wow. So, so she didn't know that she wasn't supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, talk to me a little bit about, uh, about Albert Einstein, because I don't typically see him on sitting on boards of directors. He's an obvious choice, but I just don't see him very often. Tell me a little bit about why you selected him and, and, and then the story that you wanted to share. Yeah, so he, Albert Einstein told us many, many things. Uh, he thought way outside of the box, which I'm a big proponent of. I like to call myself a thought disruptor. And that's what I like to do with my clients. I like to disrupt their thought and put them in a different direction. And that's what Albert Einstein did for the entire world. One of the things he said was imagination is more important than education. Okay. Because it imagination creates everything. So uh, this is how we manifest things. Everything begins with a thought, okay? President Kennedy said, I wanna send people to the moon. And all right, so that was the thought. And then people had to become imaginative and figure out how that was gonna happen. Now, in the practice of Psyche that I use, uh, we, what we do, when we're transforming limiting beliefs is we integrate the left and right hemispheres. And so we talked about that earlier. I talked about how my, in my corporate career, I was very left brain running mainframe accounting systems. And now as a healer, I'm in a right brain industry. So we know the left brain is logical. Uh, it thinks sequentially it's time bound. The right brain is highly creative. It's touchy feely. And right down the center of those two hemispheres is what we call the corpus callosum. And that's what joins the right and left brain hemispheres together. Now, the best thing you can do if you're trying to solve a problem or if you have an important meeting to go to or um, anything else that you want to prepare for is to put yourself in a whole brain posture. Now we do this, we do this just automatically. People cross their ankles and they cross their wrists. All you have to do is cross over your right limbs over your left limbs and you're putting yourself in a whole brain posture because the left hemisphere operates the right side of the body hmm. and vice versa. If you have a stroke on the left side of the brain, the right side of the body is affected. When Albert Einstein left his brain to science and they dissected it, he had the largest corpus callosum ever seen. Hmm. 
So his right and left hemispheres were always integrated. He was always thinking with his whole brain. And that's why he was such an amazing problem solver. Wow. That is, that is so fascinating. And it really does, for me, drive home this, this need or the importance of looking at things from multiple, multiple perspectives. And if you don't have the luxury of being able to think with your left and your in the right hemisphere of your brain simultaneously, <laughs> like Mr. Einstein, if you've got the luxury of building a team, try to build a team with people who think differently so that you've got the benefit of looking at things from all angles. Um, man, I'll tell you, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. What, what would you like to leave for our listeners? It, again, having to do with almost anything because you, you, you are just such a breath of, of knowledge around how people work, how the brain works. What would you like to leave our audience with? You are not a victim to your DNA. You are not a victim to your limiting beliefs. There are ways we know today, there are proven ways to change your DNA and to shift your limiting beliefs. So I encourage you, go out there and research those ways. I gotta tell you, when I was chronically ill, life was miserable. It was scary coming out of that because we all, when it comes to change, change is scary. And um, I had all these what if questions, you know, what if I fail? What if I go back to work and I relapse? I can guarantee you without a doubt, life on the other side is so much sweeter. Mm. Well, there you have it. Uh, this has been, I'll tell you what, if you've got a few more minutes, I got to bring you into the VIP room. My VIPs are going to love you. They're going to love you. This has been an incredible conversation. And, you know, this is just, this is delivering against my commitment to my listeners to give them straight talk that they can't hear anywhere else. And I, I, I really would challenge you to find any other podcast out there that's going to talk about the whiskeys that you need to drink, <laughs> the jazz you need to listen to, and what it really takes to be effective as a leader. And like, like Teresa said, you know, whether you're leading millions or thousands or dozens, or whether you're just trying to make tomorrow slightly better than, than, than you had it yesterday, this is where you get the gems. This is where you hear the advice. Here's where you find, about, find out about the resources that's going to help you get there. And so with that, uh, ra raise your glass. We should toast. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing, for the practice, uh, for the uh, support that you're, that you're providing to help people find that thing that they were each designed to be the greatest in the world at doing. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.